0: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find Sports Grids Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening.
1: Happy weekend. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on our program on this Saturday and Sunday, whenever you're watching, hopefully You guys are off to a good weekend for sure. We got a lot to get to here on this show. Coming up a little bit later with The Last Dance coming up on Sunday night, we're going to bring in uh, somebody who has experience authenticating the signed items by Michael Jordan. So uh, those of you who have an item signed by Michael Jordan, you're thinking about purchasing one. This may be a really interesting interview to catch that's coming up in just a little bit. But Joe, let's start off with uh, just kind of a recap of the week, of the weekend, and I think that for a lot of us here, we're still you know, kind of waiting for sports to come back. I know the UFC is going on, of course. I know here where I live in Florida, uh, they're opening back up where I live. They made the announcement on Friday,
2: uh, a week from Monday. So at least uh, there's some positivity going on, I would say, this weekend. Uh, I would agree. My favorite Chinese food place. It's been two months. I've told you this. Two months. It finally reopened this weekend. Yesterday, I finally got the dumpling fix. So that's clearly a step in the right direction. Uh, I know Major League Baseball, too. There's a lot of rumors flying around. A lot of people saying no, but more people saying yes, that this proposal is going out there to uh, the players union sooner than later. And I mean, if we don't have optimism, Craig, what do we have at this point? So let's stay positive. Let's stay optimistic and let's hope that we're moving slowly in the proper direction. And I want to emphasize slowly because it is still early May uh, we, If we get sports back by July 4th, I think that's quite a long ways away, but enough time to Hopefully. do things the right way. And let's hope that we are moving in that direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would take July 4th right now if that was the case. 100%. But that means uh, a lot more fantasy sports birthdays for us to deliver for you over the next We're just
2: months. the people to do that, though. If that's that what... is the
1: case, that's what we will do. Well, uh, Thursday night, uh, some of the interesting information now we've had a day or two to digest. And the NFL certainly does a good job with... Any kind of information that they rolled out, and they rolled out their uh, schedule on Thursday night. So, of course, the first thing that I looked at is when the Raiders are going to open up their season, and it's week two against the Saints. So, that's the date that I'm going to tentatively circle for now with the possibility of making my way to Vegas to see the first ever Las Vegas Raiders game. I don't know that I'll have my chance, but uh, that certainly piqued my interest a little bit. The Buccaneers playing in primetime piqued my interest, and of course, locally here, the Dolphins. Uh, they got themselves uh, basically a matchup with Burrow and one night game and then not much else to be really excited about. But of course, uh, there's a lot of different takeaways from seeing the schedule. And you know it's not always the sexiest talk in the world, but what, what did you uh, get out of seeing all that? What were the things that piqued your interest?
2: Well, I mean, the fun thing that happens every year is all the fantasy analyst nerds start picking it apart and thinking about all oh, the strength of schedule for certain running backs and things of that nature. And yeah, you know, there's a couple, you know, year over year holdover defenses that are very good. And, you know, Baltimore is still going to be a very good team. So I, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, probably the 49ers. I say probably because that hangover has been a real thing and I know nobody wants to think about it. But I mean, last time the 49ers were in a Super Bowl and lost in a heartbreaking fashion, everybody thought they had the quarterback of the future and everything was going great. And they had a great defense it feels eerily similar to me. So I just want to put the the stop on that a lot. So what happens now in the fantasy community is now everyone's going to look and try to overanalyze a little bit too much. Don't let this affect how you draft players. Continue to draft the guys you think are going to be the best backs. Don't get too hung up or the best wide receivers or quarterbacks for that matter. Getting too hung up on the schedule or the strength of a certain guy's schedule, I think that's something you save for later in the draft when you look. And if you really do believe there is a soft schedule – for potential running back or backs in a committee, then that's something you can maybe pick apart for September in the later in drafts or something like that. You can't look into November and December and think that any NFL team is going to be the same that you think it is in May or June. Also the strength of the schedule, too, uh, according to you know, the weight of winning percentages, uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee, have the tougher roads than anybody. And it's fascinating because Tennessee was kind of the darling last year. Indianapolis kind of got stuck in a terrible situation, losing luck right before the season. And it just doesn't seem fair for Cinderella and the team that really kind of ran out of luck to really end up getting the schedule kind of twisted into them a little bit. So I think it's a little unfair from that standpoint.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the opening night game Thursday night, Kansas City against, uh, is it Houston?
2: Yes, Kansas City, Houston. I mean, was there a more entertaining playoff game this year? Yes, sir. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, we could start there. I mean, yeah. And and let's also remember, too, the opening Monday night game this past season with the Saints against the Texans. How fantastically entertaining that game was. I want to say that was the earlier of the two. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? That was the early Monday night game. And I remember I came in on Tuesday with you to do the radio show. I was like, oh man, I love the two Monday night games. It's the greatest thing. How great was that first game? I was like watching uh, the game, having dinner with the kids was great. They, you know, the Texans hopefully will get off to a good start, but man, it's really difficult to think that's going to happen. I used this analogy on a show earlier today and I'm going to use it here. I feel like the Houston Texans are kind of like my favorite uh christmas comedy which is christmas vacation you remember when uh, cousin eddie in christmas vacation is emptying his chemical toilet into the sewer i feel like that's pretty much bill o'brien he's emptying the everything into the sewer and the first uh ring of a whistle is pretty much going to be uh the uncle lighting his stogie and then everything just getting set on fire i'm pretty sure that's the analogy we're looking for with the texans in 2020
1: it could be. I'm not a big fan of them, but look, they got they got me last year, so maybe they'll get me. They
2: did, game. but I don't know, man. That's, that's no DeAndre Hopkins. And look, I still think Watson will be okay because I think he's a great quarterback. He'll find a way. Yeah, he's but, too good to
1: stop. You just can't stop that guy.
2: Yeah, I would take any discount you get on Watson this year, and I think you're going to get one. Man, I think you should take every opportunity to have it, especially in superflex. But when you take away a weapon like DeAndre Hopkins, and then you dare I say? downgrade the running back position <laughs> i mean lamar miller to carlos high to david johnson who looks done i don't know man
1: what do i know um thanksgiving always a fun uh trio of games we've got houston uh taking on detroit so houston's getting a lot of the weird games this year washington taking on dallas and then if yes. i'm not mis- and then if i'm not mistaken it's uh again baltimore and pittsburgh on uh on I, thanksgiving night, I, I believe. I get that right
2: I believe you're right. I do. That's going to be, you know, the primetime one seems to be the the real hot game. Um, last year, that Buffalo Dallas game was pretty good. The Washington Dallas game seems like that's going to be the perfect game to be eating dinner for. I mean, so right in the middle. I think we all know what that game is going to be. The Redskins are not going to be a good football team this year, no matter how hard you try to sell me on Ron Rivera turning things around quickly. It ain't gonna be that quick, that's for sure. How about you? Was there one game that, or? Oh you know, yeah. There's oh, one you. game on
1: the schedule for me, yeah.
2: What's what's the one? What is it? Chief Saints. Yeah, that's mine too.
1: I mean, Chief Saints is going to be you – know, what is the total going to be in that game? I mean, provided <laughs> that things are normal.
2: Well, wait, is it in New Orleans? I can't remember.
1: In New Orleans, yeah.
2: It is. The total is going to be um, 65? <laughs> Probably a little higher. You think it's going to be higher than that? Probably yeah. a little higher, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's going to be a good time. That's a big one, I think. Yeah, I, I think whenever the schedule comes out, it's fun to kind of circle the things. I, you know, one thing in I week hate.
1: Week three, we're going to get the, you know, the game that we uh, were looking forward to last year. It didn't really work out, but uh, Chiefs-Ravens, too, week three. I guess it's just Chiefs who versus whoever. Like
2: that's Well, I mean, it's like the new Patriots. Like, oh, well, Pats versus Steelers, or, you know, Pats versus uh, Baltimore. You know, that was always fun. You always want to see the best quarterback in the league, and it's Mahomes still. I mean, the large entertaining, but Mahomes is the marquee guy. I know the one thing I hate is whenever I get stuck with the Jets and Patriots on like a Monday night. And I think they have a Monday night game they play because that's a game I would you know, I would normally get on a Sunday. I don't want it to take up the Monday. That's always annoying, but eh, whatever. It is what it is. But yeah, I don't understand the starting off with the Texans on Thanksgiving. That's always a weird one too. I, I know I think most people disagree with me, but I, I'm okay with changing the tradition of the teams that play. Are you, or do you think, should always be detroit should always be dallas I, I think
1: that the fans would tell you they want their tradition so
2: yeah i think so it is it's too important to the fan
1: bases at this point yeah, right? i wouldn't eliminate it if, if they if they like it and the ownership likes it and it's it's a part of what they want then
2: if I you're mean, a lions
1: summer, fan doesn't it just ruin your thanksgiving every year i think they're used to it i think they've come to just accept it and no i don't think so at all i mean that game's huh? over 330 they're home by six and it's dinner time yeah i guess so. that's fair that's a fair oh, point. and, and And listen, maybe I'm sure that there are some wives that really enjoy going too, but maybe for that one day, I mean, tradition does sort of speak to, um, you know, maybe it's the the wife is cooking at that particular day on that time and the food is ready when everybody gets home. I mean, maybe it's a possibility.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, look, I mean, NFL schedule is always fun. Fodder, when you talk about the teams on the opposite end of the uh, spectrum, the New York Jets, New York Giants, and Atlanta apparently right now uh, have the uh, determined of uh, uh, the best opportunities here with scheduling. And I think the Atlanta one is the most intriguing because if you're talking about Atlanta, man, that might be an opportunity here where, you know, they could actually turn things around. He had such a strong finish. Uh, I'm getting more and more fascinated by the day in the one-year contract of Todd Gurley. Where Where is this going to go from here? I mean, this is kind of his make-or-break year for oh, his career. Cool. No, no, no. I'm not saying, well, look, it's a lot cheaper than last year, and I did it, and he was RB fourteen. Maybe do I'll do it again in the third round and he'll end up RB twelve. Who knows? I'll push the envelope, Craig Nish.
1: Don't do it. Don't do it. He's finished. <laughs> um, the Jets play the Dolphins twice, and they have a bye week in between. How did that happen?
2: Yeah, I saw that. Our illustrious. Twice boss, in a row. I saw tweeted that. That's that's weird. Is that Ever happened in your recollection? Because I don't remember that happening.
1: I don't remember two teams playing against each other in this in consecutive weeks ever in the NFL. I think it happened 50 years ago. They said.
2: Yeah, I mean that is that is very bizarre, but. Uh... I guess that'll be a fascinating thing from a wagering standpoint. Whatever happens in the first game, we always talk about, well, you know, teams see each other twice, but when did teams see each other back-to-back weeks? I think it's happened in the playoffs once or twice in recent memory where teams finished with each other and then to play each other in the playoffs. I want to say that happened in the last 10 years. I don't remember which the circumstance was, but that is definitely a strange anomaly of the NFL schedule.
1: Yeah, and uh, and we'll look forward to it. And I think that everyone will look forward to Seeing Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. But I got to tell you, that is probably the most compelling part of the season because the NFL is betting very big on Brady and the Buccaneers this year by putting them on primetime. I believe it's four or five times. So if they are not good, it's going to be big trouble.
2: Well, <laughs> I mean, that's their here's money. the only thing I have, which is what's the deal with the running game there? And Ronald Jones was, you know, has not filled the shoes that he was supposed to. Uh, I don't know if Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be that guy. He seems like from a lot of scouts saying these Ronald Jones 2.0, that's not very encouraging. And the last thing you want to do is throw out some running back that can't be out there in pass protection to protect Brady. And the last four years or so, you've had a lot of running backs out there supporting the Tom Brady offense. Tom Brady's not exactly throwing the ball downfield all the time. So maybe that's by design, or maybe it's them babying the 42 year old quarterback I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for Tom because I love Tom Brady. He's my guy. But if it was not as exciting as everybody thought it would be going in, that would not be shocking. Would it be shocking to you?
1: I mean, they're betting so big on it happening. I'm gonna have to what are you betting
2: on? Are you betting on them being able to throw the ball as much as they want? Hmm. That's that's disappointing.
1: David Ortiz is a fair bet on the old guy. Nelson Cruz is another in sports you don't bet on the old guy. The old guy is going to fail you eventually. And I don't know if it'll be this year, but it's going to happen. Well, you it'll happen with everybody. It'll
0: happen with Brady, too. <laughs> two uh, two old Chris guys are taking players. a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Dailyrodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you Premier advice.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Happy weekend to you. It's time for this day in fantasy sports and fantasy sports birthdays for the weekend. So we're going to cover you for Saturday, for Sunday, tell you what happened this weekend in sports in the past. And as I always like to say, Joe, the month of April of 2020 will always be a month where we will never dive back into the past in terms of sports. And I'm hoping May will be, but we're not trending in that direction either. So we got to go back to the past to get our sports. (laughs)
2: It's okay. There's nothing wrong with uh, venturing back a little bit. Again, I feel like this is two guys at a bar talking sports, and that's what this show is. And you know what? That's not bad right now, especially since you can't go to a bar. So get a cocktail. I know it's noon somewhere. And uh, go ahead and watch a little FST. All
1: right, so here we go. We'll start off with this day in fantasy sports history for May the 9th, and uh, not a lot. But here's (laughs) the first thing. Eddie Murray is the first player in the history of baseball to hit switch hit home runs back-to-back days. And I've always found switch hitting so fascinating, Joe. Like, to me, is this is the art that almost is completely going away in baseball. You had Mickey Mantle. You had uh, Eddie Murray. I guess baseball, uh, you know, still has a few guys that can do it now. Francisco Lindor is the one that comes to mind as potentially being, you know, maybe the best switch hitter now. But hitting a home run from the left and right side in the
2: same game, I know a lot of
1: players have done it. Ruben Sierra is another one who did it as well. But just just the ability to hit righty and lefty is
2: just incredible to me. It's just not something you see. Uh, The specialization of baseball, if you do one thing well, just do it that way. Uh, It was a huge deal. I remember in the 80s, the switch hitters, there was a lot of switch hitters because guys wanted to stay in the lineup. (laughs) You know, that was kind of the sneaky thing about that. Uh, But we just talked about it earlier this week too when we were discussing Chipper Jones. We were talking about the Atlanta Stadium, uh, Turner Field, another great switch hitter there. And I remember having this Eddie Murray baseball card, I want to say 1988 tops. It was like the reverse negative kind of thing of Eddie Murray from both sides swinging in the middle of the card and the back kind of connected of this a historic event obviously in 87 so uh certainly something that was very cool something you don't see very often eddie murray not exactly uh, mr personality when no. it came in front of the cameras not exactly no. uh only on his birthday it's the only time you can get it that's right smile. not the warm and warm and fuzzy not so much eddie murray but man one of the the great hitters that you had ever seen him and cal ripkin and those orioles teams in the 80s were about as good of a one-two punch as you'll get and I kind of miss switch hitting. I kind of miss a lot of things from 80s and 90s baseball that don't exist anymore. Station to station is not as fun as far as I'm concerned. But uh, this Eddie Murray moment, too, I mean, that is something you do not see all the time. And uh, I want to say 500 career home runs for Eddie Murray yes, as well, correct? So part of that club, pretty impressive.
1: 1999, this is a day that will live forever in college baseball. I remember this. Marshall McDougall who played for Florida State, hit six home runs in one game most ever in college baseball history. I remember at the time thinking, wow, this guy is going to be a star in the major leagues. And I think he got drafted relatively high, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the third round, fourth round, fifth round, something like that. Uh, But, wow, what an incredible day. I mean, he'll always have this, Joe. It's like, you know, he didn't really amount to much in the majors. I think it was on the Indians. But... Hey, six home runs in one game. That'll
2: never be done again. I've no. never even heard of this moment or this really? guy. Wow. Uh, it was, in all fairness, this was my senior, actually junior into senior year of college, so that could be why. There's a yeah. lot of things I might not remember from then, but Fair. in all fairness, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm just learning about it now. Six. Yeah, home they runs scored like
1: 19 game. runs or 20 Ooh. runs or something something insane number. After it, the, it the broke fifth one, contract.
2: don't you just walk him after the fifth one and be like, eh, let's, let's he, not go He was out, out
1: this the first time he got up. Huh? Really? Yeah, six home
2: runs after that. So he was six for seven with six stingers. Not a bad yeah. day. No.
1: Uh, unfortunately, we got to end on a little somber note. Chuck Daly passed away at the age of 78. You have the picture there of uh, of Chuck Daly, of course. Also with the Olympic team as well. So he passed away uh, on this day. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fantasy sports birthdays for May the 9th, 2020. Also, we start with a somber note. Tony Gwynn, who was one of the best ever, passed away Um few years ago, he was born in 1960. It is also the birthday of Steve Iserman, all-time great hockey player. Uh, People forget, Joe, how good Brandon Webb was for a few Mm. years. He had that unfortunate shoulder injury, but he was a Cy Young Award
2: winner and also a runner-up in the Cy Young Award winner as well. Yeah, Brandon Webb had some fantastic seasons. That sinker was just, when that sinker was on, man, it was devastating. He was just getting out after out. He was a guy that used to go deep into games. I had him a lot in a lot of fantasy leagues. And I can tell you, man, there were a lot of complete game bonuses for those Brandon Webb years. And I remember that that window pretty damn well. And uh, unfortunately, like you said, the longevity of the career was not there. Oh. But man, he did have a window there when he was in that elite discussion of pitchers in Major League Baseball. And in fantasy, he was like that perfect guy. If you don't want to pay top price, you can get him as an ace kind of and just roll the rest of the season. He had some ace-like moments for sure. Yeah, I remember I, we saw Brandon Webb in Disney World one time. Ah. Yeah. Not working, right? He wasn't like, he was just there. Yes. He wasn't he was playing turkey legs out. No, oh, okay. I didn't know if he was you know, playing goofy or something. I don't know. I, I got to ask. No, he okay. was not working. He was just there.
1: Okay. My wife was like, how in the world do you know that was Brandon Webb? Who is Brandon
2: Webb? Well, he had that chin this fuzz what thing. what I do. Did he have the chin fuzz thing at the time? Because that was... Oh, you no, know, I don't really remember. We took a picture. I have to find it. Because I was going to say, that was one of the things about him, too. I remember he had the, he had the look of the mus- no mustache, no beard, just this thing. I don't know what that's called. Because I know they had the soul patch as this. He just had this thing. Oh, I don't know if there's a name for it, but you check the picture.
1: Prince Fielder, born in 1984. What a great career he had, cut short by a bad back injury, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Robbie Anderson's birthday, uh, 1993. I'm not really sure what to make of Robbie Anderson going into this year. I thought that it was really you know, the smartest move for him to stay with the Jets, but yeah, he didn't choose that.
2: Yeah,
1: no, well, I mean... Didn't he say he was going to stay with the Jets, too?
2: He did, but I mean, I don't know who wants to stay with Adam Gase. I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody's happy there. Roster's not very good. I mean, you go to Carolina, eh, better weather, <laughs> that's for sure. Maybe a better chance at some more wins, I'm not sure. But Prince Fielder, for me, one of those must-see guys, too, whenever they would, okay. like, click in on an at-bat. Because you always knew, you know, there was that opportunity for him to go yard. But you love the big boys, man. You know, I love, a couple weeks ago on Diamond Bets, we did our or Mr. Burns inspired softball teams that we picked. And he was my first baseman because I want to watch and see how far that guy could hit a softball because I'm sure it's pretty far and Milwaukee uh, and uh, Miller Park, certainly a really good park for him and the way he hit too. So uh, Prince Fielder, not as good, obviously, in the later years with Detroit. But man, oh man, those couple years with him and Ryan Braun. Again, we go back to those duos, right? Braun and Fielder, uh, Eddie Murray, Cal Ripken. I love the duos in baseball. I'd like to see more of that.
1: In fact, Ricky Weeks was supposed to be like the trio.
2: Oh, that? yeah. Never quite happened. <laughs> Shoot, man, there's there's a guy I haven't thought of in a long time, I've read Ricky Weeks. Look at that.
1: All right. Fantasy sports history. We now move to May the 10th, which is uh, Sunday, 1970. Bobby Orr, one of the most talked about goals of all time in NHL history, uh, in overtime, leads Boston to their Stanley Cup title. And so this is... An iconic picture, an iconic goal that everyone still talks about to this day. Uh, Funny that we talked about the Expos yesterday and Charlie Lee. Well, go figure. Back on May 10th of 1981, Charlie Lee threw a no-hitter and was the first uh, born uh, person from France, player from France, to ever throw a no-hitter. I didn't know that until I looked at it. Look at me. I'm
2: learning so many things. They got a French guy throwing. And and in Montreal, that must have been great because they actually speak French to the uh, Québécois. He, He probably did. Oh, I don't, we. I don't know. I'd have to look hey, into thanks. it a little further. It Bill in. Walden inducted into the
1: Naismith Hall of Fame in 1993. And then this was really hard to believe, that Steph Curry was named the first unanimous NBA MVP. You're telling me Michael Jordan was not the unanimous MVP five <sighs> times, four times, six times, Kobe Bryant? I mean, I mean, how is this even possible?
2: Well, wasn't Tom Brady the first unanimous one in the NFL, too? And that wasn't that long ago. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, it makes it kind of difficult. And I mean, I don't like, I understand Michael Jordan. I guess the argument you can make is, hey, he played with Scottie Pippen, who was always a very good player and all-star there. And there were some other years where other players had incredible years were carrying teams on their own. I get that. But it would be interesting to so go back. Maybe this is an exercise for next week or something and go back in those Michael Jordan MVP years and see who were the runner-ups. And if you could really... Make any case for voting for anybody but Michael Jordan. And maybe they were just sick of Michael Jordan at a certain point. I guess that happens too, but I, I don't know, man. First unanimous, that seems kind of crazy in the NBA, I, I, especially. I not believe it, but NFL is a little bit more understandable, but the NBA. Really? No, Michael Jordan? They've had the
1: biggest star of some of all time. I all know. right, uh, let's go to the uh, fantasy sports birthdays as we close it out for May the 10th. We got Pat Summerall right at the top, former NFL player, of course, former broadcaster with John Madden in the days where when those two guys did games, it was just a huge occasion on a Sunday. And now, of course, we get to watch all of the games. I don't think we'll ever have an iconic broadcaster or a team like that again in the NFL uh, you know, Monday night's been a disaster for the most part. Sunday night is pretty good, but let's be honest—we all can watch all the games now. It isn't the same as Sunday getting one game at one, and Sunday getting one game at four. And you always knew it was mad. And some are all at four. Those days are long gone. Um, 1942, Jim Calhoun, former great coach at UConn, national championship coach as well. 1965, we've got Ronnie Sykely, former uh, member of the Miami Heat. And a big part of the early part of their franchise, with, without a doubt. And then in 1990, Salvador Perez was born from the uh, Kansas City Royals. And um, you know, Brett uh, wanted me to mention Ronnie Cycles with Syracuse, so there you go. <laughs> uh,
2: but Sal- with
1: Salvador Perez, I, you know, that's yeah. that's a player that is very well. Was I don't know if he is anymore, but he was kind of intriguing at the catcher position for the fantasy purposes because we really don't know. We missed a whole year. And you're going through a lot of rankings. It's like nobody really had him in the top five or top six. But the reality is, is that if he plays like he's played in the past, he's like a top three guy. But he'll be an interesting name this year to see. I don't know how he'll do. but Well, he's I'll probably
2: a good value at the very least in a lot of drafts. He was kind of drafted in the middle of or the upper mid tier of the catcher lot because of that one year off. But at the same time, I think you know what you're getting with Sal Perez. You're probably going to get 20 to 25 home runs. You're going to get a lower batting average, probably 240 or something like that. And historically, he had been somebody incredibly durable. So, I mean, you know, he did get hurt. He missed an entire season. That's not great. But when it comes to Sal Perez, I think you look at it and you say, hey, I'd rather take a shot on him than some of the other catchers that, you know, barely will play anyway or hit me 20 to 25 home runs. And Sal Perez is worth it. And I miss Pat Summerall. I miss John Madden. I miss that duo together. There was something very special about them. So different. I think that's what made them so special, right? Because you had Pat Summerall with these second and two and just kind of doing exactly what it was supposed to, just calling the game. And then there was John Madden being crazy lunatic John Madden. And that duo, that pairing was just so entertaining and so complimentary to each other.
1: Yep, it certainly was. All right. So those are our fantasy sports birthdays. And this day in fantasy sports, we will be back again, of course, on Monday as we continue to do this throughout. Coming up next year on the show, we're going to be joined by Jimmy Spence from JSA Authentication, as a lot of people are clamoring for Michael Jordan. Anything they can get their hands on at this point, autographs, basketball cards. But you got to have some caution when you're doing this, because apparently there are a lot of forgeries, a lot of fake stuff out there. So we're going to kind of dive in to what is real and what is not. Coming up next with Jimmy Spence. And then later on in the show, we will bring back Ray Albright, who was on the program on Friday, to give us a little bit of a preview as to what we can expect with the upcoming, what we think this week or next week may be a truncated Major League Baseball season and fantasy season as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. We'll take a quick timeout, but we will be back with a whole lot more as we continue this ride on the weekend of Fantasy Sports Today
0: on SportsCode. Don't go wrong. Well. DailyRoto.com.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish back with you here, of course, on the show coming up on Sunday night as we get closer to the crescendo of The Last Dance. Of course, uh, it's been featured Michael Jordan. And as you would expect, because this is the only thing on television for a lot of us to watch, a lot of people are trying to get their hands on autographs and cards of Michael Jordan. So I thought, who better to talk to about that before you make that decision? Or potentially, maybe you have a Michael Jordan signed piece of memorabilia. If you do, this is the time for sure to go find it, <laughs> make sure you protect it, and, uh, and potentially even get it authenticated. And to join us and talk about that, of course, is James Spence, my friend Jimbo. We've known each other for a long time. He's taken care of me with my memorabilia way back in the day when I wanted to protect my stuff. And he joins us now to talk about all of the different memorabilia that is currently out there. That is real. That is amazing. And also some of the pitfalls, as it could pertain to uh, buying something that is signed
3: by Michael Jordan. Jimmy, thank you for coming on the show. What's going on? Thank you, Craig. Not too much. Uh, the traveling has has gone down tremendously, but we're we're getting hammered with a lot of mail in submissions. So we're uh, we're seeing how how strong our industry is. Um, I guess you know where, where people are um, isolated. They they look for comfort, and what better to to uh, find than uh, collecting autographs and buying autographs on eBay. And uh, so it's our industry has stayed pretty strong throughout this whole mess. Yeah, and and the
1: thing is, is that because uh, a company like yourself at JSA is basically the premier company in you know figuring out what's real and what's not, as you mentioned. I mean, you're probably seeing some really unique, amazing things because for those people who probably don't know, uh, you know, Michael Jordan didn't like go to autograph signings and like go at shows and sign autographs. He was like a very difficult autograph to obtain. So I'm guessing, Jimmy, when you're seeing this stuff coming in, it's a little bit challenging because it's worth a lot and it's worth a lot of money to these people,
3: too. And so they're trusting
1: you with this stuff.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Jordan, the only sit down signings he's ever had were through Upper Deck, um, you know, maybe a few through the Make a Wish Foundation. He was very, very selective in where he would sign autographs, who he would sign autographs for. Um, The only public place that he routinely signed autographs was in Tahoe at a golf tournament once a year, and he would sign hundreds of autographs there. But that really caught on with the whole chasing community throughout the entire country, throughout the world. And people used to take advantage of that. So um, you know, years ago, Tahoe limited the amount of pieces that you could actually bring into the tournament. So they were preventing you know, people bringing in jerseys and basketballs like they used to in the late 90s, early 2000s. So um, Jordan is very, very exclusive, as everybody realizes after watching this documentary. So uh, his, his autograph is heavily forged. Um, I want to say 95% of Jordan autographs that are submitted through JSA fail our authentication process. Wow, 95%. 95% without exaggeration, Greg. Wow, that's that's uh, that's very sad
1: for somebody who thinks they have a Michael Jordan autograph and they actually don't. They have it, uh, you know, maybe through somebody that he knows. I've heard that stories about that too, where you know, basically somebody would give stuff and. And it would be somebody else that would sign the autograph for him. That's It's, just, it's wild to think that that really exists. But uh, let's focus on the positive here. I want to take a look at a couple of items that you have seen come through your company. Now, again, these are just from random people in the United States or all over the world. They're sending something to you, and you have to determine- uh, at JSA, if it is legit or not. So let's start off, uh, potentially Jimmy, with one of the items that we're going to look at here that is legitimate. That is a good item. Pick any of the ones, and we'll put it up.
3: Cool. Yep. So uh, the Michael Jordan basketball that you see right here. Uh, Jordan is very um, it, when, when he signs for free. He'll usually write extra. So he'll he'll write you know best wishes. Or he'll write, uh, you know, to somebody. He'll try and personalize it for that person. But his most popular inscription is the best wishes, and that's what you see here, Craig. This is on a Spalding. Um, this is uh, just a red and black basketball. Obviously, the Chicago Bulls theme. Um, it's signed in the perfect pen too. Whoever got this signature knew uh, how what what pen to use. I mean, you don't want to use a. Uh, you know, a black fiber tip marker on a black background. That's not going to come out nice. But a silver, this came out beautifully. And uh, this is just your, um, you know, your slam dunk, Michael Jordan. There's, you know, the characteristics of this particular autograph are spot on. Again, I didn't see this thing get signed in person. Um, So, you know, we have to look to our exemplars to determine the authenticity of Michael Jordan's signature. And with 95% of them failing uh, and the forgeries are exceptional out there. So even if you know somebody proclaims to be the Michael Jordan guru expert, um, you' still need it to get you still need to properly uh, get something like this authenticated by a reputable company. Um, there, there are very, very sophisticated forgeries out there. So this one's a, a prime example. Um, it's got great flow to it, baseline, uh, it's got conviction throughout. And it's beautifully signed. So something like this, um, you're looking at approximate value of anywhere from three to $4,000 uh, just because of where it's placed and uh, how bold the signature is. Okay. Um, and let, let's take a look at another one here.
1: I know that uh, there's one that, ironically, with Last Dance being on, has the whole team. Uh, on, I, I believe it's like at a Gold's Gym. And it looks like, you know, there's a little bit of a difference, I think, uh, Jimmy, in the two different autographs that we saw here. It's, it looks like this one's like an older one.
3: Yes. So this particular piece was signed in 1991. Uh, we know that because of all the names on this piece of paper, at Gold's Gym. So I'm not sure of the background on this particular piece, but you can kind of put all the information that you see together and you can determine that it is a 91 92 NBA champion uh, Chicago Bulls team signed sheet and uh, all the signatures are period signed. Period signed means that um, based on the characteristics of each signature, they signed it during that time and not well after in some kind of reunion convention or anything like that. So that uh, when when stuff is period signed, it's very, very um uh, desirable for for collectors, especially Jordan collectors that want to have a piece of his signature from when he was when he was on top of the world. He still is on, still is on top of the world. Apparently especially. now again, <laughs> yeah, right. with no sports, he's the guy that we're
1: watching. All right, uh, what one more? Give me one. Pick pick out of the um, the group here that you
3: have. I know you got a lot, but pick one more that you think will be good to. We to show. A, we might as well go with the uh, the Jordan rookie card. That's getting a ton of press right now, Craig. Um it's it's rare enough to find a Jordan rookie card that's that's a nice grade they're they're going for a crazy amount of money right oh, now this, this grand, is grand
1: 30 grand
3: 50 grand, grand. crazy one, one sold yesterday i believe for $96,000 oh. that was graded at 10 um so my my forte is autographs um the the unsigned stuff is not very appealing to me cuz my focus is straight straight signatures but what we have here is a signed genuine Michael Jordan rookie card, eighty six, eighty seven Fleer. Um, the signature too is is an older signature. It doesn't date to eighty six, eighty seven, but I can tell you it was signed in the early nineties. Based on the formation of the signature, um, this is just a, a, a very rare find that that we see. Uh, most of the people that that obtain Jordan rookie cards immediately try to get them graded, and uh, they don't, you know, if they have the opportunity to meet Michael Jordan. They're likely not going to get a trading card signed. So this is something right. special. In my opinion, it's a wonderful investment if you ever find a real one. Um, something like this, I wouldn't be surprised if it sells for about $30,000 um, just based on you know the condition of the uh, autograph and the fact that it's on a real rookie card. Wow. Um, but before we get to the
1: ones that are not real, because I think that people are probably more curious, honestly, about that. Uh, you mentioned the word exemplar. For people who don't know, um, you know, I kind of have a little familiarity. An exemplar is basically you guys have a database of what is legitimate. But with a player like Michael Jordan, with him not doing any signings, are these simply coming from uh, upper deck and some of these vintage ones that you've seen? Because without having a sit-down signing, where, where does that get basically accomplished?
3: So we we acquire exemplars. We we work with all the major auction houses, and some of these auction houses have access like no other. Um, They give us uh, notarized documents, um, Michael Jordan's American Express card, where he signed the back, stuff that's just irrefutably uh, authentic, and we compile everything we see into our exemplar file. And uh, Michael Jordan, for instance, we have well over 4,000 different Michael Jordan signatures. Now, not all of them are authentic. We also keep the forgeries on file too, because we try to pinpoint exactly, you know, what style forgery is this. So it takes a uh, a reputable card grading company to determine the the authenticity of, of just the card. So what you have here is not only a fake card, but somebody decided to get greedy and sign the card and try to emulate his signature. And you know, the unfortunate thing is, Craig, this stuff gets sold on eBay. Oh, I like that. Uh, we we've been in touch with eBay, um, and and you know, they're doing their best to to clean it up. But it's the the sheer volume of the stuff that's being uploaded and being sold for you know, buy it now or you know, one day listings. It's very very difficult to police eBay and, and the amount of forgeries out there. So, uh, yeah, it, it sucks, but this stuff gets sold on a daily basis, especially right now when he's hot and emotions are, are flying that everybody needs a piece of Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, they do. And uh, as we close out here, um, what you can see right now as we're leaving uh, are a few other forgeries from Michael Jordan. So those of you who are watching the show, we'll just give you a quick uh, view right now here of some other pictures that uh, Jimmy and his company have deemed to uh, not pass uh, JSA authentication. By the way, for anyone who has a Michael Jordan item and you're wondering, is it real, is it fake? Uh, these are the guys to talk to. Just go over to SpenceLOA.com, check them out. Uh, Jimmy, of course, is on Twitter. You see his Twitter handle under his name as well. And uh, I reach out directly to Jimmy. He's been taking care of me for many, many years, has taught me a lot about this industry. Uh, great talking to you as always, Jimmy. We'll look forward to catching up again very soon. Stay safe with you and your family. And uh, and I hope to see you in person soon as well. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Craig. All right, Jimmy Spence from JSA, SpenceLOA.com. That is the website. We'll be back with more here on the weekend edition of Fantasy Sports Today right after this. bye cool.
0: Dailyrodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.
1: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Gray Albright for this segment here on the show. You know, Gray, of course, from Razzball and Razball.com as we close in on what looks like it could be a 2020 baseball season. Potentially, we will know the answers to that, I believe, uh, next week. I think that we're going to get some good clarity on that. Uh, but before that, you know, Gray, it's really interesting. I mean, the news of the week seems to be uh, this insect that's murdering other insects you know i feel like that's probably a bigger story than anything else
4: yeah and then, uh, now we're in the we're, we're into uh what is the uh i forget how many how many plagues are there again <laughs> we're Seven? into like the Ten? yeah i so we're into like the third plague now i uh I, I forget where the murder hornets lands on the plague scale but we're there <laughs> we're into you're murder all over hornets. the murder hornet.
1: you're a big fan
4: <laughs> i am uh, I actually, you know, I went to school with a murder hornet. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, I had a good friend who was a murder hornet back in high school. And, uh, and, and we, we 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 parted ways, but I'm glad to see he's doing well. Um, it's like catching up on Facebook with an old friend. Hey, look at murder hornets. Yeah, I, 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 I I don't like flies to be honest. So murder hornets are not they're not my cup of tea, but I, I did see the news, yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a feeling when this is all over there's gonna be something else to scare us, you know? Like I don't think this is gonna be so fleeing oh, that's when we I'm get
4: saying. I know, like we thought the uh coronavirus was uh the worst things could get, and then they came out with giant bugs that were carrying knives.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting for sure. So so what so what has the last week been for you? Any new reading? Any new movies? Let's let's catch up.
4: Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so this past week I watched The China Syndrome and I watched Silkwood. I had like it was a little like that was like, a great one. I remember that. Yeah, it was a. Uh, we did a because I had never seen them, uh, so I was like, you know, and I've actually seen a lot of movies uh, to be quite frank, I, and I hadn't seen those, so I was like, let's go, let's watch these uh, old school jammy jams. So I liked, uh, I actually liked China Syndrome a little bit better. It, it held up a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, Silkwood was okay. It was kind of like. Uh, you know, it felt like it was just a – it was a character piece from, like, the early 80s about a 70 – about a uh, an activist in the 70s. So it was like a period piece already at the time, and then they were showing something that was, uh, you know, 10 years earlier, and it kind of was just like, eh, it was okay. I mean, it was fine. I mean, Meryl Streep's great, obviously. Um, per Russell was good in it. Cher was in it. Who doesn't love Cher? She's
1: good. She was good. I, I feel like Cher, didn't she have, like, her retirement tour? And, like, didn't know she's coming back again or something?
4: Yeah, you know, Cher was a uh, she was a crush of mine back in the 80s. I loved Cher. It might actually, that might explain how I'm into uh, older women. Huh. I got to talk to my shrink about this. I, uh, yeah, no, remember, like, the turn back the clock, Cher? When <laughs> if she I came... could turn
1: back time?
4: Oh yeah, turn back time when she's on she the
1: boat, out. she's on the ship dancing around with her boyfriend. Remember that? I remember
4: <gasps> that. My God, it was so foxy. Do you remember that guy who he was? <laughs> I mean, Cher on a naval ship dancing around in like the a thong. She was a th- thong. she wore a thong before it was cool. I mean, my God. I could still honestly I could still think about turning back time, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Hands off, Greg. Um, <laughs>
1: listen, the the guy that she was dating, I think that she met him in, like, a bagel store or something like that, the store. Yeah. Does that sound yeah.
4: familiar? Yes. Yeah, like, uh, I, I want to say, like, Rob, right?
1: It could have been. I mean, I don't remember the guy's name, but I remember he, like, either worked in a
4: bagel place or... Or something. They
1: just like ended up hooking up, and
4: yeah, I pro- I remember his name because I was uh, I was wishing murder hornets on him. Well, so could, so
1: could... <laughs> you were ahead. You were ahead <laughs> of your time. <laughs> On yeah. him and him and Marquez and Herman Marquez, you were ahead of your time.
4: <laughs> I know, right? Herman Marquez is going to be interesting in Arizona. Don't sleep on him. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, the, the interesting thing is that with, uh, you know, kind of turning over to the baseball discussion, at least what I've heard in the last 24 hours is is even though they are playing potentially in their home ballparks, that realignment, I think, is real. I think that we could be headed toward that.
4: Yeah. Well, that was the – I feel like I've asked you this before, but why is it that we're doing a realignment just because – oh, because they're going to be playing in only Arizona? Is that why they're saying?
1: Uh, No, they just are going to limit travel, basically, from east to west coast. Honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I Uh mean, they're still going to have to fly – uh, right. The the Yankees are going to have to fly to Miami and Miami's going to have to fly to New York, you know, like and the Mets and the Phillies and and, my, and the Rays. I mean, they're going to make a schedule I guess that's going to limit it, I suppose if you think about it. Mm-hmm. If the Yankees are in the same division with the Marlins and the Rays, they and, and play each other, you know, 8 times, they go into Florida for a week and then take a bus. So, I mean, that's part of I guess what they're thinking is, but I heard that that is real. And a couple of players who I've talked to seem to think that there is going to be a designated hitter, the universal designated hitter.
4: Another, that's another one where I'm like, what? I don't know. I I mean, I guess if they're gonna do like, say, Toronto is in the same division as Miami. That's right. If do that. I guess you gotta do a universal DH because otherwise it's like what when we're in Miami we're playing with just pitcher with pitchers hitting and then, well they do interleague but this would be permanent so it's yeah uh, yeah no I'm saying probably this way and the rosters will probably be expanded so yes it's, otherwise sure. it's so hard to figure out like universal DH it's like huh I, you're you're trying to you're trying to make a situation. Better for the uh, you know for baseball to come back and then you're adding the universal DH. It's so confusing. Well, well, the, way,
1: the immediately 15 players will have more value than they had a month ago or two months ago. I mean that's for sure because the NL is going to have an, an extra hitter, and then if they expand the rosters, I think you go from fifteen players being more valuable to maybe twenty five or thirty, maybe even more, because that means that, that instead of a twenty five or twenty six man roster, you're gonna have extra guys there. Right. So, I mean, look, it's still all very preliminary, but at least from my understanding of, of what's being discussed or what's being posed is that they wanna play in the home parks because they do want to have fans there. Again, now maybe not in July, but maybe in August or September as a possibility.
4: Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be it's going to be in the stadiums because they're 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 going to want to bring fans back at some point. So if it if the uh, environment, if the coronavirus of the pandemic allows it, they're going to be able to bring if they're able to bring people back in September, they're not going to be like, well, now we're going to go back home because right. we can bring fans back. So they're going to. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense that they want to. playing their home parks because this way and plus everything is already situated for them to you know clubhouses and it just well that's what makes
1: sense for spring training too that's why like you couldn't have them all in arizona because then you know they wouldn't have their spring training facility it didn't make sense
4: yeah no exactly no the teams have to be they have to be where they're going to be able to be for the entire time like they can't get to middle of august and be like okay we're gonna uh we're gonna ship everyone back home now like that isn't gonna happen wherever they start is where they're finishing and if they're gonna start in you know arizona and florida then they're gonna stay there or if they're gonna start in their home parks which is probably more likely the case because like we just said i mean they have to be able to accommodate fans if we're able to get to that point which you know who knows yeah it's hard to say i mean what i would speculate
1: next week we'll have a plan And I would speculate not next week, but the week after that, they would be telling the players to report. I think that's that's, that gets getting that close. So,
4: yeah, no, I mean, it definitely at a certain point, like very soon, they have to decide. decide. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) they have to. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get into uh, June without a plan, and then you're going to be like, we, (laughs) yeah, no, they have to decide, you know, like, uh, Trevor Plouffe uh, was saying that, some yeah. nonsense <laughs> yeah he was saying some nonsense about like they're gonna decide on this date and it's gonna and the season's gonna start on this date it's like well you know I mean you don't have to have connections to anyone or have any sort of like uh, like crystal ball to know these things like <laughs> obviously you have to know by middle of May to start by middle of June to have games begin by beginning of July like that doesn't take a uh, some sort of like that's not breaking news. I No, mean, exactly.
1: oh, and listen, if, if he could get the exact date, then I think that that would be reporting. Right. But, but just yeah. with randomly just throwing darts, I could do the same thing. So could you?
4: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying for the last month that July 4th is the time because – And it seems – real.
1: that seems like I mean, the, the yeah, realistic time.
4: People love to be patriotic. I mean, you expect, like, you know, July 4th, it's like, uh, you know, the president throws out the first pitch at the Nationals game. The season's underway. Away we go. You could see that happening. That doesn't mean I have any sort of like insider information. I mean, that just makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh,
4: have you left your house at all in the last two months? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't left this room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'd never know. <laughs> you 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 literally you legitimately have not walked outside.
4: No, I do. I have a dog, so I walk a dog
1: twice But, like, have you d- driven anywhere?
4: I did. Actually, yesterday, for the first time in about six weeks, we took a ride. Uh, oh, uh, you. it was you. Uh, it was actually it was a little bit uh, depressing because I expected the roads to be totally empty and no one to be around, but I was like, I saw all these people, and I'm like, wait a minute, was I the only one quarantined? <laughs>
1: All right, and that will do it for this edition of Fantasy Sports Day, our weekend edition. Thanks to everybody watching all week long. For Gray Albright, my co-host Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Bish. We'll talk to you again on Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.